back to another episode of Kicking About, uh, coming to you live from Toronto and Ottawa. And as always, it is me and Cam here today. How's it going, Cam? Uh, I just like to apologize to everybody in advance if I hack up a lung uh, while we are recording this today. I've been down for the count for the last four days, so uh, hopefully that stays to a minimum. Cam is not feeling great, which unlike no. me, unlike me, is not caused by. Uh, by soccer performance, by performance of one of his teams on the soccer pitch. No, um, this this is just uh, a sinus infection, not in fact football related. Uh, not at all, not at all related to that at all. But here we are, and bringing to you through you know thick and thin uh, till death do us part. We're bringing you the soccer updates. Let's start in, in the Champions League because we talked about it a little bit, and then we skipped. We mostly did the previews, and we didn't do a podcast last week, so we're actually in a unique position to talk about. You know, the full slay, the the full first leg of literally every match. Um, so let's. I would start... like to, I would like to begin with a mea culpa. Um, I remember I quite I recall uh, saying about the uh, Porto Liverpool match that this should be fun, and I was looking forward to a very cagey close affair. Nope. Well, let's be honest. If you're a Liverpool fan, <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, that was quite like you've probably enjoyed that more than a Porto fan would have. Uh, um, I think so, probably. But it was a great. It's it was Liverpool at their best, as which their best is when they don't have to defend. Yeah, when they when they click, they just rip through teams, uh, and that was that was very much what happened. I would very much say. I mean, I've argued. I think we've argued this in the past. I think both of us have kind of agreed that they got the easier of the draws. Um, I think so. Yes. So I I wasn't surprised. I was surprised because Porto notoriously is a weird weird place for um uh, for European teams to play. Um yep. it's become and, and they've been they've they've been somewhat uh you know good but I think I think given Liverpool's style of play not they're better suited for Europe I would almost say than they are for the English for the English league. Uh yep. just the pace and the sheer energy <laughs> like and but everybody in Europe Tends to play that way. Like the better teams outside of like your Juventuses, um, they tend to play with that kind of like high pressure and pace, um, which you know facilitates a lot of teams getting exhausted and they give up the ball more and they they have no kind of hesitation about going forward. Whereas in England, you'll run into somebody like a West Brom who are like, "All right, cool, you guys, you know, press <laughs> and yeah. and see what you can do." Uh, but it was impre- it was impressive to see Liverpool. Um, as we go through each matchup, we'll also kind of weigh in on like, there's no way Porto's coming back. Ah, uh, no, no, this is this one is done. There was uh, absolutely no way. Another five five no drubbing. Uh, Byron Besiktas um, helped along by a uh, uh, a red card for Besiktas in the 16th minute. That's uh, that's the things you want to do in life. Play uh, man down against Byron for 75 minutes. Not among them. It was it was entirely <laughs> predictable. This one was entirely predictable. And even though they hung on till like the forty third minute until the first goal, you kind of saw this one coming. Yeah. Uh, once again, yeah. I'm... Once and once the floodgates opened, the floodgates just opened. It was bad. Yeah. Once again, one of those like one of those draws that we kind of looked and said like there is no way I can see Bayern losing this. And once again, it looks like we were we were somewhat right. Um, and here we are. All right, let's get to all the good matches and all the good discussions. Well, actually, also City Basel. Let's get that out of the way. Yeah, uh, another another drubbing. Uh, I mean, I think Pep 
didn't expect to lose this one at all. I think they went into this knowing that, you know, there isn't going to be a challenge there. Yeah, just I mean this this team is this team is scary good right now, and and they just continue to be scary good in this uh, in this game. All right, let's jump into the matches that we actually do have to talk about. Are you surprised? Let's start from the top. Uh, are you surprised by Real Madrid PSG result? Um, yes and no. Um, yes, insofar as Real Madrid were having a really rough season, and uh, I imagine that some of that might actually carry over. Um, no, in the sense that I think people always overhyped PSG's chances this season. Yes, they spent a lot of money. Yes, they got Neymar. Um, yes, they have a devastating offensive line. Um, but they play week to week against basically no opposition. Uh, and it takes a long time to uh, create a culture that's capable of beating the absolute top, top, top teams in the Champions League. Um, they are not the first team to discover that. Manchester City discovered that when they spent lots and lots of money, that it actually takes a while to beat teams like Bayern and Barcelona and Real Madrid. Um, who else would I put in that category? Juventus discovered that if they had that really good domestic season that actually takes a long time to figure out how to be good in the Champions League. Um, Monaco discovered that the first couple seasons they were there. So this actually isn't that surprising to me in as much as I think that they were probably always a little bit overhyped. I think what's interesting to me in this match and just watching this match, you can kind of see it, um, is that Real plays a very particular way against, you know, better opposition and there we've discussed this multiple times they're more of a counter-attacking team they're not really the team that's going to hold you uh, dominate possession or take more shots than you but they have and it seems like it seems like psg in fact like given all their dominance in like given the way they play in the french league i would almost argue they're not prepared to play against a team that's equal in them in possession yeah yeah. Like, it also helps that this PSG team is actually not that good at defending. Yeah, well, I mean, like, it requires a lot of... When you don't have the ball, it requires a lot more concentration from your team. So when you, yeah. when you do have the ball, it's, you're, you're almost in a relaxed mode from, like, the center, the center mid's back. Um, and that's kind of been a huge part of PSG's success in the French League is because they can afford to do that. They're playing against literally no opposition. Whereas with Real Madrid and a team that can press you as they do in the midfield... Um, like we've we've said multiple times that you know the up the top three of Mbappe, uh, Cavani, and Neymar is a scary prospect to defend. The problem is is that if your midfield can't get them the ball, it really doesn't matter. If you're forcing them to come in deep, um, neither Cavani nor Mbappe are really good at like holding up the play. I would argue uh, in the yeah. deep in the field, they're really good at that when they're in the final third. But only Neymar is the one who's capable to come in, receive that ball, and do kind of like, you know, un- 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 unlock that gate, like pick that lock, which is, you know, the best teams always have a player like that, be it De Bruyne for City or Messi for Barcelona. It's those offensive players who, when faced with that opportunity, kind of have to come forward and say like, okay, like, fine, this was fun, but like, now I have the ball and you're going to want to die. Yeah, and um, I think I think, I think, think also um, that... Because PSG, like, PSG were good for the first, I'd say, like, 40-ish minutes. Um, and then were good in patches in the second half. But I think that they uh, they responded to, to drawing uh, when they did, uh, I think, I think fairly poorly. I think it knocked a lot of the momentum out of their sails. No, absolutely. I think, I think it, it really took something from them. And I, and I mean, they almost, I think, last year when they had that result against Barcelona, it was almost better for them because you kind of looked at them and, like, Barcelona were still the favorites. You know what I mean? And you were looking at yeah. it. I think, 
I think there was a lot of pressure having spent that money on Neymar, having spent that money on Mbappe. I think there's a lot of pressure both on, you know, you and I, Emery, who I think we both agree that, like, if they don't make it past this round, he might be seen. The they, last they, they will be looking to replace him in the summer is my understanding. Yes. So there's a lot of pressure on him. Um, and then there's a lot of pressure, obviously, on um, on Neymar because he said he wants that success, um, which I really laughed because Thierry Henry, I believe it was Thierry Henry who said that if uh, Neymar wants to get out from Messi's shadow, he's going to need to play a different sport. Yeah. Uh, which was fantastic. So I think there was a lot of pressure. And now the double fall trouble for PSG is that Neymar is injured for the second leg. Yeah. So I actually, th- I think, I think this has become sort of, I've banged this drum a lot in the last uh, couple of weeks, but I think that this might actually work to PSG's advantage because they actually might have to play as a team. I was actually going to say the same. I think the reliance on Neymar and the reliance on having all that money um, into 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 him as a player, as well as his personality and ego. Yeah. Um, Other um, results. Yeah, I believe I believe I believe it might actually be better for them. I think they might be able to do a better lineup and roll out a better team. Um, uh, uh, Juventus Tottenham Tottenham has continued to impress. They have, and a lot of... How much of this was Tottenham being really scrappy and diligent, and how much of this was Juventus just dropping the ball? I think it's about 50-50. Yep. Uh, we don't... Ra- we rarely see uh, Buffon look human. He did very much on the Ericsson goal. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think, obviously... This tie's still in the balance, I think. It's, it it very much is. I still think Juventus has the experience uh, to go through. Yep. I, I very much still believe so. And uh, in competitions like that, I generally tend to give teams with the experience the upper hand, I'd yep. say. Although this Tottenham team has, has made a living out of out of uh, People pulling wind. Yeah. Pulling wins out where you're like, oh, I'm not sure how they did that, but they did. I could see, I could also see this being a one-one Tottenham win in the way goals sort of situation. I think that Ericsson goal is going to come back to haunt Juventus in the second leg. Absolutely, I think I think there's a very very positive chance. Uh, what else do we have there? Uh, Man United lucky to get away with a. Oh, with this a game was this game was nervy. This was a very nervy game. My friend, who's a United fan, he actually texted me, and his his words were like, "We did not deserve to win this." And once again, uh, Mourinho not starting Paul Pogba. Uh, yeah. And then, and then being forced <coughs> by a Mata injury to once again play Paul Pogba in a position. Are they in a disagree? Is this one of those clash situations where Mourinho just takes a principled stand against Paul, what, his best player because it's Mourinho, Mourinho way? No idea. And I I honestly don't know who wins that fight because Mourinho is such a superstar manager and Paul Pogba was so freaking expensive to buy. I don't know who wins that fight. I think, I mean, I think at this point it's Paul Pogba. It has to be Paul Pogba. You'd think so. Like, obviously Mourinho is such a, like, all-star manager, but also given manager's propensity. I think given United's history with Paul Pogba, having him, then selling him, letting him go to Juventus for nothing, then paying a fortune to get him back, if they sell him again, and then he once again becomes Paul Pogba, the destroyer of worlds. Oh man, that would be that'd be terrible for United. 
<laughs> yeah. So I believe – I think you make this work with Paul Pogba because I, I think Mourinho has to prove that he still has it. Yeah. I think there was a lot of doubt after that second stint at Chelsea, just the way it ended that, yes. uh, that necessitates that. I think you have to. I think you have to put the the, the emphasis on on Mourinho to prove that he has it. And it's it's still United on paper. They're a better team than Sevilla. This Sevilla team has made a long run in the last five, six, or three, four, or five years of being really sneaky in European competition. Though, and just finding a way to get through. No, so. absolutely, but like this wasn't one of those. I wasn't watching this, and I'm like, oh god, Sevilla might hold on to this. I was watching this, and I'm like, oh god, United might not hold on to this. Yeah. And I think that was the biggest difference for me is watching this United team, and this this has been a theme and a pattern with them this this whole season. And like, I think Mourinho buys himself just enough with the victories, which we'll talk about later in the Premier League or certain other ties. To kind of like, just just enough rope not to hang himself. Yeah. Um, and I think, I don't know. I do, I feel like it's it's a strange thing for me um, to kind of see them s- struggle like that um, at the very yeah. least. Uh, Barcelona, Chelsea, also a. Very nervous. This game, this this game was surprising in that I think Chelsea deserved to win, and I know I know how insane that must sound coming from me. Uh, but yeah, from a, from a, from a Barcelona. <coughs> yeah, it's, I, I thought Chelsea played exceptionally well in this I game. I mean, 26 percent possession. It was probably no, but the they mo- stuck to a game plan. Barcelona only had seven shots. They they like Barcelona had a lot of possession that just didn't manage to do a great deal with, and Chelsea. Were holding on. William was got very unlucky not to have a hat trick. Um, they just Chelsea took their chance as well. Well, they, and they took a chance well, and they should have taken other chance as well. Uh, and then Messi did messy things. Absolutely, I think. I think once again we go back to that to the Liverpool situation. I think Chelsea's game and the way Conte has built built, built this team is a lot more conducive to um, to what's it called to European football. Yeah. Um, and I think I think he's he has a very thin lineup, so that's been a big thing, uh, big thing for him. And I think like this was a very very interesting game where, you know, you got the away goal. I think, and that's what matters at the end yeah. of the day. Um, so I this this one is still I think up in the air though because Chelsea is also a team that has has made a long history a long. Deeply unpleasant history of, <laughs> of figuring out of, of smashing grabs at the camp new. So and I'm th- not comfortable with where this result is sitting. And I think that's what they're gonna kind of go for. They're gonna they're gonna try and go for. They need to score regardless. Like they can't be satisfied with the. Yeah, no, no. Them. Barcelona will score at the camp new. Uh, um, I think there's like teams that have kept shutouts at the camp new. Well, and... even if Barcelona doesn't score, Barcelona leads on away goal. So Chelsea needs to score regardless. Um, I could see it being a very tight two-one for Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, me too. Or uh, like, yeah, very tight two-one, or like one-one going to extra time. Yeah, uh, and I think, uh, but I think it, I, I think, can't remember the last Barcelona tie that ended in penalty kicks. Oh, oh, I have nightmares about this already. Someone kill me. 
Yeah, but I think I I think if if it's like if it goes into extra time, I think that's where Barcelona wins because they don't Chelsea just doesn't have the depth. Yeah. To hang around uh, for longer than ninety minutes, especially the fact that they have a lot of really tough EPL games upcoming um, in the next. They have Man City coming up, uh, and then they have uh, Crystal Palace, who are very tough to break down defensively. I think Chelsea's has this really weird balance right now, um, and yeah. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure if they can pull it off if they have to go to extra time. And then finally, the final result is the uh, Shakhtar uh, Roma. Shakhtar beat Roma. I was um, gonna say you should be fan of this result. Oh, absolutely! I think I think it was it was great for me. Um, I was very happy. And Shakhtar is kind of like remember that year when they wrote, won a Europa League, and they were kind of sneaky good. Uh, yep. I think this is kind of them coming back again. Yeah, I mean, I think they were they were always a sort of dark horse contender in uh, in European play, and they've always been good at just like being frustrating for teams. I think they went through a dip in uh, when the Ukraine stuff started in 2014. Well, yeah, because uh, they they still can't play out of their domestic stadium. Like that's still a very very huge issue for them is that they're not able to play out of like, they would play out, out of Donbass, yeah. Yeah, like the well, because the arena, the, the arena doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, like it's it's just as simple as that. So, I think um, obviously it's it's hard for this team, especially because they have such a large influx of Brazilian players um, that they build up and sell for money and then bring in more because they've built like a whole diaspora over in uh, in 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 Donetsk, which they don't have any access to anymore. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a weird one. But they're also, like, one of those feeder teams that I think comes in. And uh, they have – every two to, th- two to four years, they'll have one really, really, really good season and then sell three to four of their players. Yeah. Um, and that's happened before. And I think we're in that season. I think Fred's already indicated that he's going to Man City. I think Bernard's going to leave. I think there's quite a few, there's quite a few people that are gonna they're gonna take off from the Shakhtar team. Um, yeah. I think it's really good for Roma to have gotten that away goal, and I, I know so. and I know they're 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 down by a point, but a one nil guarantees they go. Yeah, and that was a really good one. And Shakhtar, once again, I don't I don't know how much it hurts them to play away given that they haven't played technically at home. Yeah. For a while. But we'll see. I think this one's very much still up in the air. I think we have a lot of matches outside of like, you know, the five and four nails are in the air. I'm I'm almost ready I, I'm not even ready to call it Real Madrid. I'm not I'm not ready to call it Real Madrid. Yeah, I could. I, I think that's less likely than than the other ones swinging heavily in the second leg, but I do think it is possible. Um, and once again, I think it's just the benefit of the fact that I think PSG, I agree with you in the fact that I think PSG might be better without Neymar in the yep. lineup going into this yep. game. Yeah, I think Cavani will benefit a lot from that. Yeah. Um, all right, let's uh, jump into the Premier League. I <coughs> <coughs> Sorry about that. Um, uh, where should we start? I mean, let's start with Chelsea United. Let's uh, Let's jump right into the match that kind of we've this been built really we've been building up to for a while this game was real, this game was really good 
But, like, think about all the preamble. Like, how long has it been since Conte and Mourinho started throwing shots at each other? Oh, it's been, I mean, this has been building for, like, that's been building for, like, a year and a half. Yeah, it's been a long, long build-up to this, and, dear God, I think I think we've arrived. I think we've arrived at a place where where, where they hate each other. I mean, yeah. we, we, knew that, we knew that they hated each other uh, consistently, but, um, yeah. Um, and for once, Mourinho got the... Uh, is it so much... Okay, I was going to ask you this, because I was going to say this, but now... Is it so much that Mourinho got this right, or is it just kind of that his style and Conte's are so, you know, good for playing each other? I think I think this in the end, this this game just sort of came down to Man City's squad being better, and that's been a that's been a problem that Chelsea has faced against top level opposition all year, uh, and I, I think honestly it, it's you can like go into all sorts of analysis of tactics and all sorts of analysis of uh, little decisions, but at the end of the day, it was just Man United are just a better team. Yeah, man. I think... Um, but yeah, I, I think... Sometimes when sometimes when Mourinho gets it right, he gets it right. And that's, that's, what, that's what it's going to come down to in the end, is, uh, you know, him getting it right. Yeah. Um, and, like, that's kind of where we're at with... Uh, it's kind of where we're at with this, and I think uh, very, very much so. This might save his job for until the end of the year, but this might threaten Conte's more. Ooh, there's been talk that that Louis Van Hal uh, might be coming in to uh, Chelsea, which I can only say, do it. Well, you're 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 <coughs> in general, you're a huge fan of the ultimate chaos theory. Oh, I'm a big fan. Run and doubt cheer for chaos. Um, and I could not think of a more chaotic thing than Louis Van Gaal in this Chelsea squad under Roman Abramovich. Oh, oh. Let's be very clear that Louis Van Gaal and Roman Abramovich is a match made in heaven, and by heaven I mostly mean uh, the wastelands of Man X. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's not going to be pretty. And... No, but... but... I mean, this is this is part of the problem is that very few of the big teams are really willing to take punts on managers anymore. Like, if if any of the top six fire their manager tomorrow, it's not immediately clear that there's anybody who would be considered a safe enough pair of hands to replace them. Um, and I just think that all of them are so risk averse that they they wouldn't. I mean, at this point, I would be a safe enough pair of hands to replace Arsene Wenger, but yeah, but we'll get to that. But but there's like the the problem is there's like three managers who aren't currently employed who you'd look at and be like, yes, we should hire them. It's like Carlo Ancelotti, believe in hell, and and I mean, I can think of a number of national team managers, but you're not gonna pull like you're not gonna pull Roberto Martinez in a World Cup year. Uh, away from Belgium, you might be able to do it afterwards. But do you think? Do you think this Chelsea team has the personnel for the Van Hal lineup? Um, that's that's a, that's an interesting question because he's also very rigid. Like we're talking a lot about all the top five managers, and as much as we want to be, <coughs> you know, some of them have to be adaptable. Like, all of the people in place are very rigid. 
Um, I actually, so actually, one of the things that, that Mark Van Hal, when he was in the, at the Netherlands job, was uh, his willingness to be extremely versatile in uh, in terms of tactical of, of tactics and adapting the team very much to to what was needed at the time. So they played a very counterattacking style against Spain. They played a very possession-heavy style against uh, against Chile in the group stages and then throughout the knockout rounds. So I actually think that this is a he's a manager who is actually quite good at figuring out like figuring out the pieces that he needs and just building a team that can do that. His bigger problem is just that he inevitably starts miniature wars with every single person on the team. I mean, facts. That's the big problem. It's, it's And it's, you know, you bring him in into a personality-filled team like like Chelsea. Interestingly, I don't really think, I think now that Diego Costa's gone, I don't actually think there's that many personalities in the Chelsea locker room. I think the bigger problem will is be... Is it Abramovich? Yeah, will be Abramovich. Uh, very much so. Um, yeah, um, uh, among other, um, notable matches, Crystal Palace has held on almost remarkably against Tottenham, and Crystal Palace has become that team that's... They're like what Stoke used to be. Very much so. They have very Just much... Just like, yeah, you might get the points, but you're really not going to enjoy it. Um, uh, they've really, really built that team well to try and stay up. It's been... Yeah. A, it's just a great kind of team composition from my perspective for them to stay up. Um, I think on the opposite end of that, uh, they're slowly climbing. They're trying to climb out. The problem is they can't keep getting draws um, against other teams because, you know, teams like, who was it, still got a draw. They got lucky there. Uh, Watford beating everything was interesting. Brighton beating Swansea was very beneficial to everybody. And Liverpool is still on their run. Like, Liverpool yeah. is still very much on the run. Uh, like, they're on their high right now. I mean, yeah. we, have, we have to wait for their low to fully classify where they're going to end up. But I think I think they've been, do- they've been doing quite well. Um, looking at the table... <coughs> it's real tight from 19th to 13th. It is extremely tight there. Uh, looking at the top of the table, or- I don't think Arsenal can make 5th. Um... Ten games to go. Um, if things go really wrong at Chelsea. Well, I mean, the way I'm looking a, at it. If they take a bad loss at the Camp Nou and go into a tailspin, I can see it. But way, if Arsenal wants to get into the top five, they're going to need a lot of things to break their way. The way one of those is going to have to be a Chelsea tailspin. Or one of them is going to have to be them not playing ineptly. Um yeah, I don't. I I think barring something going wrong at Chelsea, it's not going to happen. And also, I mean, looking at it, looking at the table now, I'm assuming I'm look. I'm not looking at that game in hand as a game in hand. I'm looking at that game as a loss to Man City. Yeah. Which you know, thank you gods for drawing us up against them twice in five days. <laughs> it's great. It's great. It's just what you want. Just play Man City a bunch. Yeah. Shall we? Shall we? Shall we talk about the League Cup? I mean. I have a fun fact before we get into the League Cup, which I watched, regrettably. Sure. Um, if if Arsenal lose to City in their next match, in their league in their league game, they will be eliminated from title contention. Huh. Which may be the early... I mean, everybody's out of title contention at this point. Yeah, like, but, most were out of title contention. But statistically speaking, it will be impossible for them to win a title. Uh-huh. So... Yeah, there's there's that. Um, it's not great. 
I don't feel fantastic about it. I was not happy with the League Cup. Um, mostly because, you know, I've, I'm still riding out hope that we might make a Europa run league, but if we keep playing like we have. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tough one. Um, especially against AC Milan, who are currently on a run. <coughs> it's been... Yeah, it's, I mean... Guys, I Cam might actually die in this podcast. So. No, I'll, I'll make it through. We have to discuss the death of Stalin before we go here. I might <laughs> die after that, but... Um, no, I I think... Interesting. Here's a, here's a thought. If if they do fall officially out of title contention, could you see Wenger just turning fully to the Europa League and being like, screw the Premier League? We're probably... Like, we could definitely finish top seven. Let's just get... Let's just get a, a run going. I do... The problem is depth. Yeah. We literally don't have a striker in Europa League right now. That's true. And the other problem is, let me just pull up some uh, some some teams here. Uh, Napoli, surprisingly, got eliminated from the Europa League, but they're going full tilt for the Italian title. Yeah. Um, one, two, three... Four, maybe five teams I can pick out that are probably better than, than Arsenal. Well, you have Atletico, you have Dortmund, yeah. you have Atletico, Dortmund, um, one of the one of the Red Bull teams, uh, probably Leipzig, um, and then I, I think, would say potentially AC Milan. Depends which AC Milan shows up, and then um, and then Sporting La- Lisbon. Yeah, and also Lazio and Kiev is both both are sneaky sneaky size that can they can sneak away, and then obviously yeah. you have to. Appreciate the travel to Moscow for at least two two teams. Yeah, yeah. There is a lot. Like, there is not really... I wouldn't say there is an easy tie um, that you can possibly... I think that the team that's in there is a team that Sporting's playing. I can't even pronounce it. Pilsen? Pilsen, yeah. I I think that's the outlier. But other than that, just looking at all these lineups, it's a tough... It's a tough road to the win. I mean... Arsenal does have the quality to do to do it. Yeah, and it's I just th- the the issue with Arsenal has never been talent; it's always been effort. And I think the motiv- the motivation. I think the the most difficult thing is is going to be for for Obama Yang, who obviously wants to play in Europe next year. Um, he's cop tied. Yeah. Imagine being able to help your team, being exactly the player that your team needs to get European football. Yeah, it's it's yeah. It's it might be frustrating. Um, so, you know, Danny Welbeck has to score some goals. You guys are doomed. I mean, it is a World Cup year, so maybe Danny Welbeck will do his uh, will up his performance to try and make to try to try and make that team um, contract year. <laughs> contract year, Danny Welbeck. Um, I'm not gonna keep you here much longer, just because I don't want you to to die on this podcast. <laughs> I'd, I'd like I'd like for you to live to next week so we can talk about stuff. Me too. Should we shift gears? Um, I mean, we said we were going to talk about a non-soccer thing today, so I mean, let's just do it. Let's just let's just get. Let's do it. We we both watched separately the death of Stalin last night, uh, the new Amadi Yanushi film that uh, comes out in theaters on Friday. Probably uh, we probably watched it like an hour apart too. Yeah, you started as I was finishing. Oh boy. Um, yeah. 
it's so good. <laughs> it, it's 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 better than I could have hoped for. Oh my god, it's 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 ni- it's nineteen eighty four meets Veep. It's with for somebody who's intimately familiar with the repression and history of the USSR. Um, it was bittersweet. A lot of scenes. Yeah, it's very much a it's very much a morbid sort of humor. Yes. Um, like there's a. Uh, I think both of both of ours one of our favorite lines of the the thing when they they discover Stalin lying on his floor having had a stroke overnight and someone says get the best doctor in Moscow and he says well we sent all the best doctors in Moscow to the Gulag they're trying to kill Stalin. <laughs> it's, like when, it's like I have an idea. How about we get not a good? Um, yeah, it was absolutely fantastically cast. I think uh, Jason Isaacs. Jason Isaacs is the Jason Isaacs is the MVP. Uh, Georgie Zukov has the highest ratio, one of the highest ratios of one-liners to screen time I've ever seen in a film. It's, I think I think pretty much all of his dialogue is just one-liners. Yeah. Um, it was it was incredibly fantastic. Apparently, the people in Russia are not particularly pleased. Uh no. No, with the, no, 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 no. With the depictions. Which is a shame because my understanding from you is that having a detailed knowledge of Soviet history makes it way funnier. Oh, if you're not still in in, in what technically is basically for all intents and purposes the recreation of that same Soviet government. Just yeah, like as long as you were in one of the satellite states that has actual like freedoms and stuff, then it was that is a hilarious film. Yeah, and like I mean, and, and as long as you're far enough removed. From feeling, from feeling that wrath on yourself. <coughs> so many good casting choices. The uh, Steve Buscemi as Nikita Khrushchev is just such a great casting choice. It's it. It was weird watching uh, a lot of you know Russian people who interact with what would be a very distinct English accent. Yeah. The other thing, the other thing I really liked in this film, uh, I mentioned this to you last night, is all the stuff that's going on in the background. Like they're just walking through scenes as the secret police are like arresting and killing people in the background. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, it was fantastic. I think like the the coordination of the sets was great. Um, it was it was it was like a well managed uh, team on the pitch. You know, except for play. except for I have one critique, a single scene critique uh, that my roommate raised last night uh, that I agree with, um, namely that uh, you know the scene where they're trying to get his body to his bed. Yes, and all these political deputies that are uh, sort of trying struggling to carry the dear leader. Uh, that should have been done as a single shot. Should have been done as a single tracking shot. Yeah, that is fair. Just because this this movie's whole thing is just the like the absurdity of it all. The just the absurdity of the sycophancy. The absurdity of the like I can't remember who's alive and who's dead anymore. I can't remember who we've executed and sent to the Google hugs and who we like who's betrayed whom and who we fabricated evidence against. I mean, uh, to be fair, it's all very accurate, like yeah. historically accurate. Yeah. It's it reads as like it's, it reads like a satire to a lot of us, but yes, well, it's actually it's, a very historically well recreated movie. And I think part of, and this is part of the thing with with it all being English accents is it's also very much meant to describe politics in the current era. Yeah. Um, the the scene that kept springing to mind at the the committee meeting when they're like, Stalin has died. Stalin is no more, and yet all of these. Uh, um, all of these deputies and secretaries are all falling over themselves to weep the hardest at, at the dear leader's death. Um, brought memories of, you remember that cabinet meeting that Trump had about three months ago where like they went around the room and they all competed to see who could praise him more. Oh yeah, that was great. Yeah. Um, 
I will. Uh, the only other thing I'll add is a, a great line from uh, Vox's review of the film, uh, which I think speaks to the sort of the modern applicability of a lot of its satire. Uh, the death of Stalin is Yanucci's most complex and almost nihilistic rendering of what politics is. A team of bumbling and weak-minded people who lack any real conviction other than a desire for power and position. They aren't quite in hell, but they're definitely not in heaven. It's death by middle position, the bleakest version of purgatory on earth with no redemption allowed, and the biggest joke of the entire thing is they've all put themselves there on purpose. Oh, that was beautiful. <laughs> that was beautiful. Um, all right, let's get uh, let's get through uh, the penalty shootout, and I'm going to head off to represent the entire Red Army at the, at the dinner table. Good luck, ladies. <laughs> um... All right, uh, I'll I'll jump in here here and I'll have you spare me out of my misery. Uh, Thursday, Arsenal City, <laughs> only four days. Oh God, it's third. Oh, jeez. Um, at the Emirates or at Etihad? Uh, I believe it is at the Emirates. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think it says a lot about the current state of the Premier League that we're like at the stadium funded by the Dubai airline or at the stadium funded by the Abu Dhabi airline. <laughs> I mean, here's here's uh-huh. some stats. Arsenal win probability is twenty one percent. City win probability is fifty four percent. Um, yeah, that's a gap. Um, I think City wins. I think three one. Well, at least we score this time around. So. Yeah, I mean, you'll get a goal. You're at home, but it's just it will also not be close. Um, which of the ties that are not currently draws on aggregate uh, in the Champions League? So that is. Uh, Real Madrid, Shakhtar Donetsk, and uh, pretty much everything that's not United. Or Chelsea. Yeah. Or Tottenham. I suppose there's only really two two real choices for this. Which of the non-tied ties do you, could you most see a reversal in? Uh, Shakhtar Roma. It's, yeah, I think that, I think I, I thought about it, I was like this is a stupid question. It's the only one that it makes any sense. It's like if and once again, I think I think PSG are going to do better than we expect them to do without Neymar. I think we've if, arrived at the point where like we think that they're not going to do well, but they they might actually do quite well. I will simply say, if any of Basel, Porto, or Besiktas come to within within one goal on aggregate of tying the of tying the game. We will do a video podcast, and I will eat a pair of my socks on air. I mean, that's fair. Um, <coughs> I'm not going to say such statements about Porto, because I know Liverpool. Oh, that's a good point. If either of if either Basel or Besiktas come back, let's, let's narrow down a little bit. Um, they're going to... So, question. We're going to stay in the Champions League. Um, question about the uh, Sevilla United draw. We're playing it at Old Trafford. Um mm. It's yeah. Um, I'm actually not gonna ask you who wins. I'm gonna ask you: Does Mourinho start Paul Pogba, and if so, where? How long is Mata's injury again? I don't know. Um, if Mata's still injured, he starts him in Mata's spot. If he's not still injured, then I don't think he starts him. That that is a weird. That is. I can't wrap my head around not playing your best player. <laughs> not a good eye, but you know. It's Mourinho, so. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start which, down. Which, which return leg are you most looking forward to? Uh, Juventus Tottenham. 
yeah. For purely nihilistic reasons. I think that will be the most fun. Uh, I think Barcelona-Chelsea is going to be a really cagey match. I think it's not going to be fun to watch for neutrals or fans. Oh, no, I, let me be very clear that I will not be enjoying that game. Um, looking at the round of 16 for Europa League, what is most likely what like that we would consider an upset that you can see happening? Um, I can see CSK and Moscow beating Leon. Um, the French don't have a good history in Russia. That's that's true. Yeah, yeah. Just gen- just not just in football. <laughs> it's just historically. Um, I was gonna say Atletico uh, Lokomotiv Moscow, and that's just because I think that if Atletico, uh, Atletico think think they have an opportunity to to give Barcelona an actual serious run for the title, um, and I can see them taking their foot off the gas in the Europa League. They're basically guaranteed second place in Champions League spot already. I think if they think that they can realistically challenge Barcelona for the title, they will take their foot off the gas in the Europa League. That is fair, and that is a very, very. Uh, you know, also, it's just a brutal plane ride for from Madrid to Moscow. Oh, it's, it's terrible. It's real yeah, long. It's absolutely terrible. Um, looking at the looking at the table, um, let's assume <coughs> let's assume Arsenal lose to City, and they're out of title contention. Yep. Which team is the next one statistically that's going to be out of title contention? Um, statistically, think, we know we know they're all they're all out. I don't think that's the interesting question because it's going to be Chelsea. I think the interesting question is which of the which is the next one after that, uh, and I think it's Liverpool. I think Tottenham and United are going to be the, only, the last two teams left in mathematical contention. That is that is fair. Yeah. Um, what's coming up this weekend other than that game? Um, ooh, Man City-Chelsea. What's going to happen to that? I can see a Chelsea one. Yeah, yeah, I could too. That's just it's so many games for City in the span of like it, a week. It is way too many games for him in the span of a week. He played most of his starting lineup in the Carabao Cup just to get that treble. Yeah, like there was a lot. He's gonna want to beat Arsenal again. I just think there's too much. I can see that being Chelsea. Um, that being said, I can also see that being a draw. But I think it's gonna be Chelsea. But it's gonna be like a two-one. Yeah, Chelsea. Yeah, it, it won't be. It won't be a blowout. Especially given the rumors around Conte's departure. Yeah, I think it might be Chelsea's win. 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 To Interesting. Take. Um. Oh my god. I don't um All right, I'll 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 torture you with the last question. Uh Chelsea Barcelona. I think Barcelona goes through, but I think it's way closer. I think it's in extra time or on penalties. Oh god, I don't want to watch that. Neither do I. Neither do I. Um, all right, I'll torture you as well. Milan Arsenal. Who comes out of that tie? Oh, I think 
Arsenal. Two can play this game, bud. <laughs> I think I think Arsenal, <coughs> but very, very like not not great, not a yep. great Arsenal. Like we win it on the second leg. Yeah. Like there was a lot that happens. The first game is the San Siro. I think I think we might win this on the way goals. Interesting. I think I actually think we might win this on the way goals. Also, I do think Gennaro Gattuso might fight Arsene Wenger. Uh oh, oh man, that's <laughs> not even speaking my language. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of variables here. You know you, you know what Ty I really okay, I'm sorry. I really want AC Milan to advance. To Atletico? Because I, was, I, I need to play Atletico in the corners. I need a Gattuso Simeone for tonight. <laughs> that would be, that would be such a, my God, would that be an amazing, now I want it, but I can't sell myself on this. It's unclear whether, whether Diego Costa would fly into Milan's players harder or whether Gattuso and Simeone would fly to each other harder. That is fair. Um, anyways, uh, thank you guys for joining us again. Uh, Cam has made it through the whole podcast. If you would like I'm to, st- still alive. if you would like to sponsor us, please send Cam some chamomile tea and chamomile uh, <laughs> Yeah, um, we'll let we'll let you know how you can do that. Until that time, we'll uh, talk to you guys next week. I'll probably be uh, very much uh, in the state of apathy about the state of the EPL by that point. But we'll see where we arrive at that. Uh, thank you guys very much again. And thank you, Cam, for joining me on your deathbed. And we'll talk to you guys next year. Adios, amigos.